This is Cannabis Uncut, the podcast where we dissect the cannabis plant and the cannabis industry, answering the questions that you want answered. I'm your host, Andrew Barnes. Hello and welcome to episode two of Cannabis Uncut, where no question is stupid particularly in the cannabis world, because there is so much misinformation, so many years of persecution and so little education. We are joined by our resident expert, the man who can answer your questions better than Google can, Professor Michael Barnes. You now know the format, so you know what to expect a little bit more than you did uh, you did last time. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Right. So are you excited? Hopefully you'll remember what you need to do. So you have uh, 60 seconds as we um, start like we always do by setting the scene. So it's a similar topic to last time in terms of the word, at least. So this week's topic, this uh, topic that we're going to uncut is cannabinoids. So to start off in a maximum of 60 seconds, please, are you able to set the scene for us? What? are cannabinoids right i will do my best there's basically two types of cannabinoids they are chemicals that interact with what's called the endocannabinoid system there's endocannabinoids which are those made in our own body nothing to do with the plant at all they're made on demand to help control and modulate and calm down the nervous system and that was that was the topic of the last um interview then there are phytocannabinoids, phyto meaning plant, and they're the cannabinoids that are made in the cannabis and a few other plants. Incidentally, not just cannabis makes phytocannabinoids, but mainly the cannabis plant produces a whole range of these cannabinoids, which also interact with our own endocannabinoid system. Not exclusively, they also interact with other parts of the body, but mainly they interact with the endocannabinoid system. The plant has something over 150 of these cannabinoids, and everyone will have heard of uh, at least two of them, THC, the one that gets you high, uh, but has medical value, and CBD, the one that doesn't get you high, but also has medical value. And there are many, many others that I'm sure will be a topic of other interviews. Uh, so there's phytocannabinoids in the plant, and there's endocannabinoids in our own system, and there's also synthetic cannabinoids, which are made by the science industry, pharmaceutical industry, um, just purely synthetically. They're not made from the plant. They're made from combining chemicals in the laboratory. So the synthetic, synthetic cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids and endocannabinoids. Perfect. Thank you very much again. Beautifully inside the 60 second deadline. So we're going to go back and we're going to revisit Susan and David. So the most common, most normal person in the UK, Susan and David Smith. So what do you think they might know or might have an understanding of the word cannabinoids? I'm going to guess a little bit more than last week's topics. I think the endo bits on top of the word cannabinoids may have confused them a little bit. But in terms of cannabinoids, what do you think Susan and David will be able to tell you about that? I think you're right. I think Susan and David will have heard the name, probably. I don't think they'll have heard of the phyto in front of it. and They probably won't understand, and I don't mean that rudely to Susan and David, they probably won't have heard of the endocannabinoids, but they'll have heard of cannabinoids and they'll associate cannabinoids, I would have thought, with the plant cannabis. And I would have, maybe, they'll know that THC and CBD are cannabinoids. 
Now, as we now know, they are phytocannabinoids. And as we now know, they're one of 150 plus of these. And I said, sure, that Susan and David won't know there's 150 of them. They'll probably think there's two. And they'll probably think THC is the one that gets you high and CBD is the one that you buy over the counter in health food shops. And that's probably the extent of their knowledge. Well, let's see. Let's see what kind of questions that they have asked Google about cannabinoids. So I think it's safe to assume that they're asking about phytocannabinoids. So when I say the word cannabinoids in these questions, we're just going to assume that they're meaning ones found inside the cannabis plant. So the most asked questions on Google about cannabinoids. The first one is, where are cannabinoids found? Um, cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids, are found largely in the flower of the cannabis plant. Not exclusively, you can get a little bit of cannabinoids in the leaves and the stems of the plant, very little in the seeds and the roots, uh, but the vast majority of the cannabinoids are found in the flower of the, actually the female uh, cannabis plant. There's some in the males, but most of the cannabis is, cannabinoids are found in the flower of the female plant. So when we say flower, again, just for, for Susan and David's benefit, so when you say the word flower, most people will assume of a um, a pretty flower in the garden, blue, red, yes. yellow, whatever it kind of looks like, but a typical flower that you'd get from a florist. So when we yes. say flower in the cannabis world, it looks a little bit different, doesn't it? I don't know, in, in your travel, are you able to kind of describe what what we mean by yeah, the word flower in this respect? Well, some would say actually the cannabis flower is rather pretty. It's a but it's a different structure. It's nothing like our garden daffodils, or lily of the valley, or whatever it is. You can tell I'm not really a gardener, can't you? Um, it's a. It looks a bit of a mess. It's a bit. It's a tight bud. Uh, some of them quite big, no bigger than the size of your hand, and, and most would fit it comfortably in the palm of your hand. It's a tight bud. Uh, surrounded initially by very small leaves and small stalks uh, that sort of cover the flower. But there is actually, if you look at it carefully, it's really quite colourful. There's things in the plant called flavonoids that give it its colour, and they can be yellow and they can be green and they can be purple. So actually, if you look at it carefully, uh, actually, it's, it's quite a pretty flower, actually. But you wouldn't look at it in the garden for its for its aesthetic look, because from a, from afar, it just looks like a little bit of a rather boring stump at the end of the of the end of the stalk, if you like. Brilliant. Thank you. So we've got we've got this cannabis plant and we've got something that uh, isn't quite a garden flower, but is uh, still a, an attractive flower. And that's where a lot of the cannabinoids are. But you've got a whole other plant. You've got the stalk and the rest of the leaves up and down it. So are yes. we saying that there are no cannabinoids found anywhere else other than the flower? No, we're not. Um, the vast majority are found in that flower, that female flower. Um, the next one down the rung, as it were, is the probably the male flower. And then in the leaves, there's some in the leaves, particularly the leaves closest to that flower. There's also little bits in the stem. As you go further down the plant towards the roots, there's less and less. And there is, I don't think there's no part of the plant that has absolutely no cannabinoids in, but the root has virtually nothing. And the seed, if you let the flower develop and get fertilized, you get seeds like you do in any plant. Those seeds also contain very, very little of the cannabinoids. And those seeds are very healthy, of course. They can add omega-3, omega-6 things. It's a healthy thing. But in there, there's virtually no cannabinoids. So the vast majority of the cannabinoids are in the flower and mainly in the female flower. 
Brilliant. OK, so looking at question two, so I think we can tell that Susan and David do know a little bit more about what cannabinoids are, because some of these questions are, are going to be a little bit more specific. Um, but the second question is, why are cannabinoids banned in sport? That's a very good question. Um, it's actually what are called controlled cannabinoids um, that are the, are the problems of like the villains of the piece in the context of sport. There's 12 controlled cannabinoids uh, that are designated in this country, in the UK. Uh, but the one we'll all have heard of again is THC. A couple of others people might have heard of, so I'll mention them in passing. One is called CBN, which is the breakdown product of THC, and another one called THCV. But let's not get too complicated. Uh, and some of those other 12 are pretty unknown and very rare. Uh, but let's, let's just focus on THC. THC is a controlled cannabinoid and it's you can't use it. You can't grow it without a license from the Home Office. You can't do anything with it. If you did take it, you get high from it. And some would say that and other in isolation and in higher doses, you get high from it. I hasten to add because as a medicine, you would take it in perhaps lower doses combine it with CBD, which counteracts that high. So people need to be worried as a medicine THC is always going to cause them to be high. It will not. We'll come to that point, no doubt, in other interviews. Uh, but in terms of athletic performance, some would say that feeling relaxed, perhaps, would uh, enhance your performance. Maybe feeling high would enhance your performance. Uh, it does other things to the body's system, like it relaxes muscles, for example, which may enhance your performance. So with some justification, I think it's WADA, they call it, the World Anti-Doping Agency, feel that cannabinoids generally can potentially harm or at least change an athlete's performance. Therefore, they ban them, along with the vast majority of other medicines, I hasten to add. They haven't picked on cannabis. Yeah, as an athlete, you'd, you'd be very wise not to take absolutely anything. Interestingly, WADA have said that CBD all by itself is allowed. That's a bit illogical when you think about it, because CBD has an anti-anxiety effect. It helps sleep. And if you if you sleep a bit better, if you relax a bit more, you'd think that would enhance your performance, wouldn't you? But they have allowed CBD all by itself as an isolate uh, with no other cannabinoids. All the other cannabinoids have been banned by WADA for they fear it will interfere with an athlete's performance and therefore give them potentially um, an advantage over their fellow competitors. I think like most people probably can't see it giving you an advantage. No, um, I find it difficult to understand why it should give you an athletic advantage. I agree. But nevertheless, like a lot of things in international and national law, it doesn't make much sense. But that's almost certainly the reason. Yes, that them's the rules. Um, Them's the rules. Yeah, if, you, we, if you are in that yeah. field, you need to need to obey. Yeah. There will be other topics. We'll get into it. I think a lot of it is down to the the history um, of of the way that the plant is being used around the world that we will get into in other episodes, probably around the the reasoning for that. Um, yeah. So the next one is we've touched on it again. So this should be a, a kind of a quick answer. But yeah. which cannabinoids? are psychoactive let's say there's 150 cannabinoids roughly speaking a bit more a bit less um we don't know much about most of them it's there's about 12 of those cannabinoids that are said to be psychoactive oddly probably half of those 12 aren't uh, but a body in this country called the advisory uh committee on 
case um, drugs, I forgot exactly what it's called now, um, uh, have offered an expert, in inverted commas, opinion about 12 of these cannabinoids cause you to get high, so-called psychoactive is the wrong word, but that's let's call it that, it gets you high. Um, some they're not absolutely sure about, so they've said, well, let's be cautious and stick them in that group anyway. Uh, but those that definitely do get you high are, well, the commonest are three, THC, CBN, the breakdown product of THC, and one that's related called THCV. And those three do get you high. Um, and that's it. So the plant's got a bit of a bad rap because it's got hey, 150 of these things, 147 of them at least, um, don't cause you to get high. They have loads of medical value, great, and only three of them do. But those three are the bad cousins that have given the plant its, uh, its um, bad reputation wrongly. I hasten to add. Um, yeah, it was the advisory the... council on the on the misuse of drugs, wasn't it? And Thank they, you very much. Yeah, they they called out that one of the one of the bad boys, as you say, CBN, um, actually probably isn't psychoactive. Yes. Yeah. Um, if it is, it's very mild. There's various other forms of THC, but let's not get too complicated. The one that we all know about is called Delta 9 THC. There are other varieties, probably about five or six of them. One called Delta 8 THC Light, as it's called. Um, uh, uh, mildly psychoactive. It's really we're focusing on THC, which is the one that's psychoactive. Psychoactive is the wrong term, and I'll, I'll explain that briefly, uh, because psychoactive means it affects the brain. THC affects the brain, it gets you high, but it has a whole load of other medical positive medical properties. But other things that aren't psychoactive, um, also called psychoactive, uh, do affect the brain. CBD affects the brain because it can help you sleep. It can help reduce your anxiety. Therefore, it's interacting with the brain. Therefore, it's psychoactive. So psychoactive is actually the wrong word. There isn't really a right word. Um, is it intoxicating? No, not really, because that has parallels with getting drunk. Um, is it, uh, what else is it? it? It gets you high, but that's not a very scientific or satisfactory term, but there's not really a better one. So people use psychoactive as a shorthand, but probably inaccurately. And it sounds almost a little bit scary, doesn't it? It's very associated with drugs, psychoactive, but I think if you, if you yeah. think about water, yeah. you don't drink water for quite a long time, you will start to feel very funny in your brain as well. So is yeah, water yes. psychoactive? I think lots of things probably well, there's are. There's lo lots and lots of things, and the vast majority of pharmaceutical products that your doctor gives you is psychoactive by the very nature that they affect your body. And if they affect your brain, uh, they are therefore psychoactive. So psychoactive, you're quite right, is the wrong term. It's not an accurate term. It's a bit of a scaremongering term. But we haven't actually got a decent word that, that covers it. But we'll move on. We'll leave psychoactivity to, to we'll one side. That. Exactly. Uh, so this, this, this question is um, painfully too broad. But I've said at the start, if you've asked it, so will we. So we'll have to try and make it um, as narrow as possible. But the question is, and this could be several hours if I don't um, intervene at some point, is which cannabinoids do what? Where on Whoa. earth do you start there? That is a very big question. Well, it's easy to answer in one sense. Let's go back to that number 150. And we know a fair bit about two, and we know a little bit about another three or four, and we know precious little about the other 140 or so. So people say, well, what do these 140 do? Nobody knows. Well, I can say that 
The little tiny bit we know about those other rare so-called minor cannabinoids, they all do seem to have potentially some positive medical properties that are yet unexplored. So there's a massive amount of research to do in the, the cannabis plant is, is really truly remarkable. It has a whole store of um, potentially really useful medicines in it, which are really underexplored. So, but we do know a bit about THC. THC, uh, ignoring the fact that it gets you high because it doesn't in really doesn't in medical usage, uh, except if you're very unlucky or it's been badly prescribed. So THC, um, I could summarize it quickly to say it's very good at pain. It's a very good anti-pain analgesic agent. That's one of its major functions. Whereas CBD, its major function is probably um, uh, to reduce anxiety. But there's, it's far more complicated than that. CBD has a lot of other functions. Uh, for example, little children epilepsy that, that changed the law in this country. Uh, CBD is anticonvulsant. It, it reduces epilepsy. Um, the cannabinoids are really very complicated because they're interesting in the sense that in small doses, they can sometimes do different things from at high doses. So it's not even not a straight answer to that question. Is THC at a high dose makes you more anxious? People perhaps in, in recreational use are taking a joint, they can get with high THC, they can get quite anxious, a bit jumpy. Whereas THC at low doses can reduce anxiety. THC at low doses is anticonvulsant, it is anti-epilepsy, whereas at high doses it makes epilepsy worse. So, you know, I'm afraid you're going to have to shut me up because I could go on for <laughs> at least two hours going through the properties of THC and CBD and the few other ones we know little bits about. It's so we've touched on the big ones question. uh and then you, yeah. you said yeah. there are a few yeah. others so can you just kind of summarize us what are the what are the main other ones that we know a little bit about not kind of going into them yeah. too much what, what are the other ones no. that we know something about yeah well there's the mother cannabinoid that's always nice to know uh, mummy cannabinoid is called cbg cannabigerol uh, that's the one that is first formed in the plant as the plant's growing cbg is the first one to appear and then slowly over time, CBG breaks down to THC, which we talked about, to CBD, which we talked about, and another one called CBC, cannabichromine. And that's the, the second of those we know a bit about. So we know a bit about CBG, we know a bit about CBC. Um, we know a little bit about this, another pathway with another chemical added called varine, uh, and that adds a V to these things. So we know a little bit about THCV and CBDV. We know a little bit about CBN, which is the breakdown product of THC. When it gets old, it begins to break down, like anybody, um, and it breaks down to CBN. And they're the ones that we know most about. Um, we don't know as much about CBG and CBC as we'd like to, uh, but we know a bit about those. And then as we further go further into the obscure cannabinoids, we know precious little about most of them. So this is one question I've actually always wanted to ask. So you know that pretty much all the cannabinoids that people know of are CB followed by a letter, CBD, CBG, CBC. Yes, yes. There are, I think you said last time, there are actually over 160 now found cannabinoids in the, in the plant yeah. um, from your latest travels to, to Israel. Yes. What on earth happens after the alphabet has been extinguished? <laughs> Are you, question, are you able to, do you know the name of any cannabinoid that isn't CB followed by one letter of the alphabet? Um, 
No, that's a very good question. I don't think so. But the the interesting thing is that you subdivide it. Uh, I've mentioned all the V's, so you can add in. It's like a sort of a, a license plate on a car, isn't it? When you run out the alphabet, you add another another letter in, and there's the whole V, the whole varine pathway, which duplicates everything. So CBD V, THC V, and then there's the A, because in the plant, without getting too complicated, these cannabinoids are formed in acid form in the plant. So in the natural plant, before you do anything to it, there's THC isn't there. It's THC A, THC acid. CBDA, CBD acid. Um, so that gives a whole other range as all those things are in their acidic forms. So that gives an A followed by another letter. Um, but yeah, I think we've got a long way to run out of letters uh, because of that um, additional letter that they put in. And as an aside, um, the A, the acidic form you find in the plant is not psychoactive, doesn't get you high. So you can make a, a smoothie out of a plant that you find in the field and you don't get high from it because you only get high from the THC when that acid bit has been taken off it. I do, you didn't ask me that question, so I shouldn't have put it, it in is. there. But um, I, you know, I can't sometimes help from going off at a tangent, as long as That's I'm within six seconds. It was, it was a painfully wide question from Susan. Okay, so I had a painfully we'll wide answer. On. We'll move yeah. on. Um, this one's much more narrow. Um, when do cannabinoids cause side effects? Well, cannabinoids potentially can side effects in anybody at any time. The side effect profile of cannabinoids is very mild. I mean, they're very, very well tolerated, genuinely. And I take an example of that as a project at the moment called 2021 program that some of the listeners may be aware of. That's run by a charity called Drug Science. They're looking uh, at several thousand people uh, with a cannabis prescription. And they've just analysed the first three months data of about 11, 1,200 people. So it's a big sample. And they found that side effects only occurred in about 3% of that entire population. 97% of people who get a prescription cannabis got no side effects at all, which shows you its safety. The 3% who did, generally those side effects were very mild. But they can occur, uh, they're a little bit dose related. So the higher a dose you take, the more likely you are to get a side effect is one, and also it's very personal. Some people just don't get side effects at all. Others get side effects quite quickly. Uh, some people, for example, are very sensitive to THC. They find they get a very fast pulse. They get a little bit anxious um, with a very low dose of THC, where others can have a very large dose of THC and get no side effects at all. So to some extent for you as a person, the side effects are predictable, but they're not only predictable in the sense of they're, they're always few side effects at low dose and more side effects at higher dose and also also depends on what else you take with them if you take thc by itself you might get high if you add cbd to take with the dhc as doctors do when they're prescribing you don't get high because cbd counteracts the high so there's a very complicated answer to the question but basically you get side effects any time but in most people there are no side effects and it's remarkably safe thank you very much and just kind of diving into one element of that so we mentioned a high dose and a, and a low dose now a lot of people on the street won't really have any kind of understanding of what that is they may have seen a a, a bottle of cbd in um in in boots yeah. or in holland and barrett and seen um a, a thousand milligrams on the side so without wanting yeah. to go in again into too much detail I mean, what would you classify as a high and low dose within thc and within cbd well generally speaking cbd needs higher doses to have an effect that you want. Um, CBD average dose from medical effect 
uh, for anxiety, take is something between 60 to 100 milligrams a day. Now, sometimes that's not difficult to know. If you go into a health food shop or a chemist, you, uh, and the bottles are very dif differently labeled. Some will say just a milligrams. Some will say a percentage. You need to work out what the percentage means in terms of milligrams. It's very confusing and not easy for people to understand. Basically, if you can work it out, and it should say somewhere on the bottle, you should be able to work it out that you need about 60 to 100 milligrams of CBD for most day-to-day -day things. Children, for example, with epilepsy need much higher doses, up to about 10 milligrams per kilogram, even higher if you take an isolate product. Some will need much lower doses. Some would need just 10 milligrams of CBD will be good for them. So uh, you should always start at a low dose and build it up very slowly because you don't know if that person sat in front of you how much they'll actually need. Now, THC, uh, you need much lower doses. And as a medical person, we'd probably start prescribing THC at around two milligrams a day, which is tiny, not going to get high from that, and build it up slowly. And in most medical circumstances, you won't need more than 20 milligrams of THC, which is tiny. If people know the recreational market, the recreational users can take over 100 milligrams of THC um, and get them high, and that's what they want. But that's not what you want in medicine. And for medicine, generally speaking, you need much lower doses. So you're looking up Average, say, up to 100 milligrams of CBD would cover most things. Up to 20 milligrams of THC would cover most things. The FSA, as, as an aside, the Food Standards Agency, says the most you should take is 70 milligrams a day. And um, I usually read on one of these um, podcasts about somebody. So today's turn is the Food Standards Agency. They've come up with this figure completely arbitrary on no scientific basis whatsoever. And if you think of the average dose is 60 to 100 milligrams, and they're saying you shouldn't take more than 70, then you're precluding a reasonable medical benefit from three quarters of the population. So the Food Standards Agency is, I'm afraid, wrong and rather stupid. But to, to caveat that, Ever so slightly, they they aren't talking about, or they weren't talking about the medical world. They're talking about the the over-the-counter world. So they aren't stepping on the medical toes too much in that in their, No, um, they're just st stepping all over the toes of the general public who might get yes, some yes, wellness yes. benefit from the product. But it's just guidance. So I mean, if you want to take more, you can take more. So this is kind of going back to episode one, really. But it's it's been asked, so we'll ask it. Yes. How do cannabinoids work in your body? Speaking about phytocannabinoids. Phytocannabinoids, um, no straight answer. Again, I'm sorry that there's not straight answer to some of these questions. But generally speaking, the phytocannabinoids interact with our own inbuilt endocannabinoid system, which was the subject of interview number one. Uh, the endocannabinoids control the nervous function in the body. They act as modulators, calm us down, keep us on an even keel, homeostasis as it's called. Uh, and the phytocannabinoids interact with that system. They actually interact with a lot of other systems as well, particularly CBD. But basically, it's, it's not far from the truth to say the phytocannabinoids in the plant interact with our own endocannabinoid system, which is why the plant has such a potentially wonderful range of, of um, medical possibilities because the endocannabinoid system covers all bodily functions. So if you interact with that system, you could potentially have an effect on all bodily functions. Uh, that's why a, a plant could have an effect on pain, effect on anxiety, effect on epilepsy, effect on sleep, etc., etc., effect on appetite. And that is a bit of its own worst enemy, because some would say those anti-cannabis people, and there are some, sadly, who say, well, it must be a snake oil. You can't have a, you can't have a medicine that interacts and does all those, 
A new blood pressure pill just reduces your blood pressure. A new anti-diabetic drug just reduces your blood sugar. We're not used to uh, this quite remarkable plant that can interact with so many different bodily functions. But that's how it works. It works through the endocannabinoid system. So that was the last question. And that is the end of episode two of Cannabis Uncut, where we did a deep dive into cannabinoids. Professor Michael Barnes, is there any last thought that you want the general public to know specifically about cannabinoids? I think just remember the name, remember they interact with their own bodily system, remember they're very natural products, and remember there's an awful lot of them, and it's not just about THC and CBD. There's many, many others, and we're going to be researching this incredible plant for many, many years to come. Thank you very much indeed. And we will see you next week on Cannabis Uncut. Thank you. That was Cannabis Uncut. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This was brought to you by Tincture Taylor. Head over to tinctureTaylor.com now for a unique range of cannabinoid and terpene tinctures. 